Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Peace, peace. You know what it is. Shamir S-K-Y-Z-O-O Skazu, live out the borough. And this is the NBA Exchange with my man Dexter Henry. You know how you doing it, man. Log on, tap in. Let's get into it. What's good, everybody? It's been a little bit of a while. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the NBA Exchange. Glad to be back with you guys. I think there's been a lot that's been going on in basketball the last couple of days. We've seen some explosions offensively uh, on the side of the Brooklyn Nets. We've seen LeBron and the Lakers doing what LeBron and the Lakers have done all season, um, which is disappointing. But some of us could have told you this was going to happen. Some of us could have told you. We don't have to be that shocked. A lot to get into, but today we're going to talk specifically about some young players. It's Wednesday. That means it's NBA with nuance time with my man, Gerard Hector. So we're going to talk some nuance. No hot takes here. My man, Gerard Hector, uh, out here hopefully enjoying this good weather. Last time we spoke, Gerard, it was really cold. and We had some cold days this week, and we were talking about Mm -hmm. bringing back out the red wine. Mm -hmm. Now I feel like it's almost white wine season. I was enjoying some of the weather this morning. Are you bringing out the white wine now? The I mean, I'm not quite. I mean, look, a little salt blanc, but I can have that any time of the year. So the white right. part of the white wine is already out. I'm not quite ready to bring out all the whites yet and put away all the red. Not quite there, but we're, we're getting close. I'm looking out my window right now. People out there are running in shorts. I'm like, y'all wilding. It ain't that nice. I mean, Yo, it's nice. It ain't that nice. The people, should, the people should know, for people who don't know, Gerard is a runner. Okay, Gerard's a runner. Um, and I always feel like at this time, you you know, I saw people doing a little too much. I was in Prospect Park in Brooklyn. People were doing a little bit too much already with the shorts and stuff. Tank top. It's too early, like, yeah, too early for that. What y'all doing? Too early for that. See, nuance, people. You don't need the hat and the gloves today. Cool. I get it. But tank tops? Nah. Come on. Stop it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, but, you know, people want summer early, man. I, I, I see. I, I, I mean, think you got to put the brakes on that. I get I, I know why. I mean, listen, from after Christmas hits, from January to March, it's just miserable up here in the Northeast. You're like, yep. oh, please get me to summer. That's why people always tell me, well, you know, Gerard, you don't have to live where you live. You can live somewhere else. And I'm like, oh, you know, facts. That is true. There are things that come sometimes. <laughs> there's weather that comes with living here. There's other issues that come with living in places uh, like Florida and the people that <laughs> cover in that places. Well, I ain't listen. That is that is not. A, I mean, no offense to anybody in Florida. Uh, that's no. I'm good yeah. on that. <laughs> I'm good on that. We're we're good on that. Like I said, today we're going to talk a little bit about some young players uh, making some impacts across the league. Not just rookies. Sometimes some second year players, some third year players we're looking at that have really made an impact this NBA season. Wanted to start off down uh, the 95 quarter, going down to Philadelphia. Talk a little bit about Tyrese Maxey. This is a player that we know has been very valuable to the Sixers. His name came up in the James Harden trade. I spoke with uh, people who were Philadelphia fans. They did not want this guy to go. This guy's not disappointed. He's really emerged, Gerard. Would you look at him now as the Sixers' third best player? No disrespect to Tobias Harris. Is he probably their third best or most important player here? I mean disrespect to Tobias Harris, right? Because like what you're saying is, is if Tyrese Maxey, a second year player, let's be clear, is the most important player, the third most important player on that roster, Tobias, what are we saying about you, my guy? Like you got a damn near max deal and nobody's even checking for you, which is problematic in and of itself. But yes, Tyrese is excellent. That's why Daryl Morey, uh, president of basketball operations in Philly, 
uh, made him off limits in the Benz trade. The Nets were pushing for him, and they were like, absolutely not. We are keeping Tyrese Maxey, a young player who they know they can grow with and grow into. In his second year, Dexter, he is a net positive on the floor. You know, my favorite all-in-one stat is estimated plus minus. And for the fans out there, what that is, is, is per 100 possessions, taking into account who do you share the floor with, so your teammates and who your opponents are. What do you contribute to your team per 100 possessions? He's a plus 0.9, right? So on the floor, he contributes almost a full point per 100 possessions, right? For a second-year player, that's incredible because rookies, second- and third-year players are generally net negatives. Uh, my favorite player in the league, Kevin Durant, was a net negative his first few years in the league, right? Like, it's just hard for, for rookies and young players because they're typically on bad teams to contribute to winning. And also, this game is hard. It's hard to know what to do. Um, he's shooting it pretty well, 54% effective field goal, 59 true shooting. Um, he's, he's coming along. And I think for him defensively is where he's, he's going to have an opportunity to kind of make more of an impact as, as time continues. Um, and now with James Harden there, he can play off ball a little bit that time with when he was the point guard and Ben Simmons was out that where he had to handle the ball a lot that gave him an opportunity to learn a lot, right? We always say necessity is the mother of invention, right? The Sixers had no choice. He had to play a lot of point guard because there was no Ben Simmons. Well, he got trial by fire during that, and that will help him see the game. Because the issue with young players, Dexter, is, and shout out to Coach Thorpe, he says this all the time, pros read the game, young players play the game, right? And it's different, right? right? You look at guys like Chris Paul and LeBron James, of course, it's unfair, but those are master class craftsmen and expert readers of the game. They don't play basketball. They read the game of basketball, right? And then they make their moves. Young kids don't know how to read the game that well yet. They just kind of going off instinct and run around with chickens with their heads cut off. As the game slows down and you know, uh-uh, this is what this is. Oh, don't worry. This screen's coming here. I know how to adjust to that. And that's just reps and time. So it's really impressive for a young player to be that good. It is impressive with Maxi. I think the thing about the numbers, you said you can look at the, the plus minus uh, with him and be very impressed. But then some people would push back and say, well, he's played with uh, Embiid, although I don't think the supporting cast has been that great and was in flux mm-hmm. a lot this mm-hmm. season. And now he's playing with Harden. Uh, my thing that I think that was impressive there with him is the true shooting numbers because the mm-hmm. shooting and the outside shot for him mm-hmm. was what people needed to see him get better at. He's made this leap in year two. Do you look, and we'll get into more of this a little bit later, but do you look at him as a player the Sixers can count on? We're saying that they have to yeah. right now, but is, is this a guy they can count on now who's going to be thrust into big minutes in the postseason. Is this a guy the Sixers can count on? Well, as I said before, necessity is a mother of invention. It doesn't matter if they can. They have to. So it's really irrelevant <laughs> if, if they can count on him or not because he is their third most. He's a starter. So he's going to have to play big minutes and play well um, because if you look beyond um, him, what do they have coming off the bench? Isaiah Joe, uh, Shake Milton, right? Like, so this is in the playoffs. It's really about your top mm, seven to eight guys, right? And so, yeah, he's going to have to play big time minutes and play well. Um, but this is all this is all reps for him. He's going to be better in year six in this situation than he is right now in year two, right? Right, right, right. And that's that that's the thing. And th- these are this is a major learning curve for him. He learned a lot. He had playoff experience last year, so I don't want to make it sound like he has no right. playoff experience. But now he's in a starting role where more is to be asked of him. We'll see. But I've loved the shooting numbers. That's been the most impressive thing for me. Watch those shooting numbers. We know Gerard talked about this last week. We know shooting numbers drop during the playoffs, guys. Don't expect Maxie to shoot the same thing as he does in the regular season. I think it's about can he hit timely shots. That's going to be the thing to watch uh, with Maxie. Speaking of hitting shots, <laughs> this is a guy who came into the league, a rookie we're going to talk about here, came into the league. Everybody said, He's going to be a really good defender. This was expected. Herb Jones of the New Orleans Pelicans. But here's the thing now, Gerard. This guy is now hitting three-pointers three at a league average rate, which is highly impressive. Mm-hmm. And he's getting major rotation minutes mm-hmm. for a team that's sort of seen a surge upwards in New Orleans Pelicans that is playing without Zion Williamson. We've talked about this before. How impressed are you with this kid? I've been very impressed with what he can do as a 3 and D player. How impressed are you with Herb Jones? Uh, very impressed. Again, he is a net positive uh, in estimated plus minus. He's a plus 1.6 in his defensive estimated plus minus, right? Um, 
which is outstanding, which is where he's he's making his strides. Overall, he's a plus 0.4, which means he's minus on the offensive side. So yes, he is hitting threes at a, at a league average rate or close to league average, but he's still there are still errors and issues that he's making on the floor offensively. And it's and again, again, you know, the average fan, when you watch the game of basketball, most people just look at it as someone made a shot, someone missed a shot, right? Because that's what our eyes focus on. Oh, make, miss, make, miss, make, miss. And there's so much more intricacy to the game than whether or not someone made or missed a shot. What are the factors that went into a poor offensive possession? Why was it a poor offensive possession? All Or why was it a good offensive possession? Why was it a poor defensive possession? All those things. And rookies and young players typically make mistakes there, right? Just because they just, the game is way faster than whatever level they previously p- played at, right? And you, your ability, your processing speed, right, has to speed up, right? Think about like a computer. Everybody knows when it's time to upgrade their computer, right? You're like, damn, why is this thing moving so damn slow over here? Yeah, <laughs> it's because that processing chip, you need it's time. It's been five years. You got you got to get up speed on that. Same thing with a player, right? Their processing chip is not up to peak, up to space yet, because this is their first time dealing with all this. As time goes on, they will eventually catch up. But it, it takes reps and understanding. Oh, I don't have you know point you know ten seconds to figure out. No, I got to just know this is where we're going. This is what we're doing. But I like what I see out of Herb Jones. He's playing well. New Orleans playing well. They're in the 10 seed right now. Uh, Lakers, watch yourselves. New Orleans might catch you uh, for that nine spot. And, you know, if Portland wasn't tanking, which we know they are, I'd be like, yeah. shit, the Lakers could fall out of the play-in tournament. But good for them, Portland's tanking, or else they'd probably lose that too. Portland saving the Lakers who look uh, – <laughs> I don't even know what I'll say. It's, I don't know I was watching one of the Lakers game. looked like they quit, man. It looked like that <laughs> team is no – yeah. I, used, I saw guys not running back on defense. That's that's the number one sign in basketball of we're not interested in being out here. We know this, but we're not going to talk about the Lakers. <laughs> Let's talk about some more young guys actually playing hard. Uh, this is a guy our man, Jamal Murphy, the black mm-hmm. ontologist, was extremely high on yep. pre-draft. There were some people that came out and said he was a zero leverage scorer. This is Scotty Barnes of the Toronto Raptors. Mm-hmm. This guy, Gerard, has mm-hmm. looked like he can do it all. Swiss mm-hmm. Army Knight, they put this guy at point. They got him playing the four. They got him playing the three. You know, Nick Nurse, we know how he coaches like to move around a lot of size. But this kid has really lived up to what the people that were fans of him could do. His detractors, they've been a little bit silent. What have you made of Mr. Scotty Barnes uh, up in the north? So not only does uh, our boy Murph love Scotty Barnes, Coach David Thorpe, also huge fan of Scotty Barnes. Coach Thorpe's son, Max, plays on Florida State and played with Scotty Barnes last year as a redshirt freshman. Look, Scotty Barnes competes his ass off. Like, he competes every single – and listen, that is a skill, right? The ability to compete on possession after possession is a skill. That's number one. Number two, he's uber athletic and has all the tools. He's already a net positive defensively for the Raptors. Now, his shooting has kind of ebbed and flowed all season, right? He had hot stretches. He's in the middle of a cold stretch right now, right? I think I'm looking at his numbers now. His effective field goal percentage for the season is 52. True shooting is at 55, right? So he's not quite shooting it the way, you know, overall. But again, I think we've seen him hit. So the shot is there. I think consistency is going to be the key for him, right? But that's the key for every rookie, right? Not every rookie, but most rookies. Can you do this for a full 82 and then come postseason? But I love his versatility. Uh, Raptors games against the Nets, they often stick him on Kevin Durant. I mean, look, it's Kevin Durant. But, you know, he he competes. It ain't like he's like, oh, it's KD. I'm going to get my ass kicked. No, no, no. Like, he's up in there, and he gets his fair share of possessions, right, where where he does his thing and makes things difficult. And Durant actually shouted him out after one of the games and said, you know, you see his IQ for the game is really high for a young player, right? I mean, yep. that's the and that's the ultimate compliment and praise coming from someone like Durant, right? Is that if he can say a rookie, your IQ is extremely high in this game, that's a good sign for things to come for the Toronto Raptors. I'm loving what I'm seeing out of Scotty Barnes. And look, if you thought the rookie of the year race was over, you might want to start reconsidering that, right? Like, look, I, I still like Evan Moby, who I know we'll talk about, yeah. but it, the gap isn't as wide as it once was. No, I agree, and this is why you got to let these these things play out. You got Evan Mobley, who's played strong all year, Scotty Barnes. I think for most people, it's probably number two, and Cade Cunningham has been coming on as of late that is actually translating to winning for Detroit. They've actually been playing uh, good and competitive in a lot of these games. Okay, can we take it down to Memphis? Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> of course, it's Gerard Hector, uh, 
who is always here to let you people know. Let the people know when you were on the Grizzly Cubs bandwagon. Listen, I've been on the Grizzly Cubs bandwagon since they drafted my guy, Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr., four seasons ago, three, four seasons ago. Listen, I, I, you know, I love this Memphis team. They're number two right now in the Western Conference decks. Yep. Draymond said the other day, I don't know if you heard this, after the, his first game with the Warriors on Monday, it don't matter if we're the number two or the number three seed. We won a championship. I told you that a month ago. I was like, okay, Draymond. And I felt like that was like letting Memphis know we ain't scared of y'all. And I listen, you heard what John Moran said after that next game. Mm-hmm. We ain't ducking no smoke. We climbing up the chimney. All right. I like that energy. I personally <laughs> like that. I like that energy. I, I'm in, and this we'll get to Desmond Bain in a second. I'm intrigued for them when they get into the playoffs because they've been talking that I don't want to say trash. They've been talking that talk. Talking that, 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 com- talk. that confidence, which is yeah. nothing wrong. I'm a huge supporter of confidence. There's some people that are going to want to come at them. I think they see him, but I also really like. There's one thing when people say stuff, Gerard, and you don't necessarily believe them. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I believe them. I, don't, I believe that they're not afraid of anybody. I think even if they somebody brings in some or shows them or shows them a higher championship level, I don't think that's going to make this group uh, wane or they're going to run no. from it. No, they um, won't So fold. I, I do believe they're climbing up that chimney. Now, yeah, they, they won't fold. They won't fold. Now, one of the players climbing up the chimney with, with them uh, that's emerges here is Desmond Bain. Mm-hmm. He's looked really good in Memphis. Uh, he's sort of emerges their consistent three option. We've still been looking. We talked about this last week about who is the Grizzlies consistent option number two, and they're going to need that in the postseason. You said that that was one of their fatal flaws. Uh, Bain has looked good. There's been a lot of talk about how Boston traded him away, blah, blah, blah. What have you liked that he's brought to the table in Memphis? He just fits nicely into that culture. Yeah, so last year he came off the bench as a rookie. This year he's starting, right? And so his playing, uh, his minutes have gone up per game and his usage rate has gone up. And as a result, his efficiency has dipped a little bit, right? Because you're playing more, so you're shooting less. But still, Excellent efficiency, 55% effective field goal, 59% true shooting, okay? Mm. He is a plus 2.6 in estimated plus minus, which I love. He's a net positive on offense and defense. But I think Bain's great. I love how he plays. He is really, he buys into this Memphis culture. We talked about this before. And again, it's what it is and it's regular season. But he said to LeBron James, you ain't scaring nobody with them footsteps, right? Like, yo. That is, quote-unquote, King James, right? The alpha of the league. And this is a 23-year-old second-year player being like, you ain't scaring nobody with them footsteps. Again, the whole squad embodies that. And it's not disrespect. Because if you ever hear them talk about these players, I'll be like, Ron James, greatest player of all time. They keep nothing but effusive praise on all the players in the league who have standing and done things ahead of them. But when they step in between them lines and lace it up, they're not afraid. right? They're like, no. We're here to compete. We believe we can we can win. We respect you, but we want to kill you, right? So, and I I appreciate that about Memphis and about Bain. I love what he's doing for a second year player. And again, where he was drafted, we do this thing sometimes, Dexter, and I'm guilty of it too. Mm-hmm. I, I remember, and it was famously about PJ Washington when he was uh, on Kentucky. We're, we're with our boy Brian Fonseca. We were in the MSG, um, you know, media media refreshment center. And somebody asked me, oh, what do you think about P.J. Washington? And I said, what year is he? And they were like, oh, he's a junior. I go, exactly. And I walked away. And we do this thing where a player who plays in college beyond their freshman year, we're like, well, there's something wrong with them. That's why they're not in the league. They're not that good. And the reality is that may be true, but it also might not be true. Maybe they just want to stay in college. Maybe they actually got better while they were there. I think Bain is an example of that, right? Someone who can obviously shoot it, right? shooting over 42% from three, right? And that's a skill that translates. And we've seen it now over two seasons. This isn't a blip. He can really right, shoot right. the ball. You've seen the consistency. Right, right? the consistency is right. there. Yeah. And so, uh, again, Memphis, kudos to their scouting department, their drafting department, figuring out, yeah, this kid's 23, and maybe his ceiling can't go up, you know, to another level. But what we see right here, this is valuable, and we'll take it and we'll develop it into something more. Yeah, and they they absolutely have done that, and he's been looking really good for the Grizzlies. Fits into that ruggedness, fits into that bravado. Ain't scared of LeBron's footsteps. But, you know he he's not he's not worshiping at the Church of King James like my man Gerard Hector. He's not worshiping chill, there chill, at all. Chill, yeah. chill. As Gerard chill. would tell me, I don't do no worshiping there at all. I don't worship at no house of King James. Sorry, yeah, no, no, <laughs> no, that, no, that at all. Uh, you brought up this guy before. I think for many people, he's a front runner for Rookie of the Year this year. Evan Mobley. He's had an amazing impact with the Cleveland Cavaliers, their record top six in the East. 
I think a lot of times with bigs, it's interesting, right? Because we don't necessarily see the development or impact right away, at least recently in the NBA. Uh, there hasn't been too many bigs that have come in and had that impact right away. See it a lot from guards. Zion maybe an outlier in how we've seen him uh, play in New Orleans when he has played. How impressed have you been with Evan Mobley? And I know you like taller dudes that can actually shoot it as well, too. He kind of fits in that profile of what you like. What do you, first of all, let's talk about his impact, but what do you also see as far as his ceiling? Like, how high do you, or good do you think this dude could be in terms of a bit? Who also plays good defense? That should be noticed, too. Uh, he's not Jaron Jackson level defense, to give a shout out to your boy, but he has been really good. Where do you think he can take this, Gerard? Like, your eyes are telling me, like, I don't know, somewhere high. <laughs> this is the future of the league, Dexter. Um, you know, it's funny. I had a conversation with somebody the other day about they said they hate this era of basketball because everybody looks the same. And I go, well, what, what did you like? That slow plotting, drop the ball into a center, everybody just stand on and watch them bang in the post, and the scores are 88 to 86? Like, that's boring to me. This is the future of the league. A team full of players like Evan Mobley. Seven feet, so quote-unquote big men, but who are skilled, right? The thing about the big men of the past, the majority of them was you had places for guys like Mark Eaton. And not that they weren't skilled, but they weren't skilled like these dudes are, right? These dudes came up playing like guards, dribbling the ball, shooting out the three, right? So they can play like guards, and then they can also, oh, yeah, we're big. We can go down low and do what you need to do. Look at, I mean, look at Joel Embiid. He's not a rookie or a young player, but, again, you drop Joel Embiid off into the 1980s, they'd be like, what the hell is this? Like, <laughs> what, what do we do? What, this dude is 7'2 and 285 pounds, and he can shoot threes and bang. Yeah, yeah. That's the future of the league is super tall, super skilled guys. And so – Mobley is great. Defensively, we know about the impact. He's a plus 2.2 in defensive estimated plus minus, a plus one overall. His offense has waned a little bit. The shooting is kind of getting a little bit of a slump. I think he's hitting the rookie wall because they ask a lot of him, right, as a rookie. And Cleveland, I think maybe not internally to, to, to their own expectations, but I think to everybody else's, they're far ahead of the curve, right? They've already beat their early season over under win total. And you know, they're going to get a, a, a playoff berth. Now, look, they could probably get waxed, and I know Eastern Conference teams, if they're looking to play one team, I think everybody would want to play Cleveland right now. That's Because that's the only first-round matchup where I feel like a team feels comfortable. Like, all right, I feel pretty good. Man. We could beat these dudes. But because everybody else, it's like, I don't know. These dudes are really good. So Evan will get better. I think his ceiling, Dexter, I mean, he could be – I mean, you know, I, I'm not I'm not comparing it to Kevin Durant. But, I mean, uh -oh. he – no, 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 no. I don't, you, you know, I don't do that. <laughs> no, I but, know you don't. <laughs> but a defensive force who can shoot from deep, who can create off the bounce, like, I mean, at that size and that athleticism, if you think of a team of like dudes like that, six between six, nine and seven feet tall, that's the future of basketball, right? I mean, ultimately, think about the Toronto Raptors. That's what that team essentially is. Is it nothing but, I mean, except for Fred VanVleet, of course. It's a team of six foot nine, rangy, athletic dudes. That, that's the future of the league. Because, again, the rim is still 10 feet above the ground. So if you can have shooting, rebounding, and all, with but have size, it with. Right. You're right. winning. You're winning championships with that. I, I'm shocked at the person you were talking to that's like, they don't like this era of basketball. Because they think it's just threes. And I'm like, it's not just threes. It's not. And, and to your point, the, the point I think you were trying to make in comparing it to basketball we grew up watching, 90s, et cetera, it's just more skilled. Yeah. So you're going to see the height with the more skilled. Now, some people can say, oh, what does this do to the shorter player? And this is a discussion for another day. What does this do to the shorter player? I don't buy all that. If you're skilled enough and you can do it, it's going to work. You know, I was, I was watching Winning Time the other mm -hmm, night, mm -hmm. and I don't know how much of you've watched, but I was watching, I was watching how there was a critique of Magic Johnson mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. him being able to play the point guard. Mm -hmm. And everybody want, and they literally, and this is true, I knew this before, they wanted to put him at the four position. Mm -hmm. And one of the critiques was he's too tall mm -hmm. to dribble the ball, handle the ball. It's mm -hmm. going to take too long to get down. It's like, mm -hmm. man, if you got handles, nobody got says handles. about KD. Look at KD. Little guys mm -hmm. can't get the ball from him. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. If you're mm -hmm. skilled, mm -hmm. highly skilled, and I think that's what it takes to play in the league, be highly skilled mm -hmm. offensively and defensively, I mean, yeah, it's good. And you, you said it. it. There's nothing that happened to a small player. I just said Fred Van Vliet. He was an all-star this year. 
Right. Fred Van Vliet is barely six feet tall. Chris Paul, at this advanced stage, is still one of the top ten players in the league. And he's small. It don't, yes, size, of all things being equal, I'd prefer to be bigger. But you can be supremely skilled and small and still dominate this game. Absolutely. It's just like, come on, come on, our short brothers out there. You don't got to be mad. It's, it's okay. You know, it's that, you know, you know, they're the ones that are, that are mad with the short guy. Energy. You know, talk, talking about you, Brian Fonseca. Uh, uh, see, you know, it's all love. Uh, last guy I want to talk about is uh, on the New York Knicks. We've had an absolutely disappointing season. But you and I have talked off camera a lot about this player, although he's had a really good second half of the season, maybe from late December on. And that's R.J. Barrett in his third year. It's a third-year player we're talking about. He's just under 20 points a game. Uh, he's been very consistent, I will have to say, as of late. What have you made of his development and, and where he's going? Are you as high on where he's going with his development? Or are you still like, eh, I don't know? Dex, I'm worried about your guy. I, I, I really am. Because this is year three now, and the, the overall impact numbers still don't look good. He's still an overall net negative on the floor, and that's that's not good. Um, he's in the same draft class as Zion and John Morant. He was the third pick in that draft class. I'm not comparing him in the sense that he has to be what they are. But if you get drafted in the top three, you assume this is someone who you hope they make multiple all-stars, right? Like that's when you draft in the top three, that's what you hope. Those two already have both made an all-star game. He has not yet. Now, I will also say, a large part of his problem is the roster around him is shit, okay? Like, he is in a situation where the roster around him is nowhere near as good. Now, you could argue that Zion's roster is not as good, but he, he got Brandon Ingram, all right? Is, and he is way better than anyone else in the Knicks got, right? So there, there are issues there. I worry about the Knicks and their development as a whole because this is a guy who I think can do some things, right? Like, he... First of all, he got the size. He talked about that, right? Six, seven, six, eight, somewhere in that in that range, right? Like, oh, he can guard. He's got the athletic tools, right? But something is not happening in his development, right? Like, why isn't he defending at an elite level? Right? Because the tools are there. Um, is he a primary ball handler? I don't know, but why has his shooting seemingly regressed a bit? I mean, we're down to 47% effective field goal, 51 true shooting. He hasn't been better of late, but where was that consistency we saw last year? Um, it's just, and I think again, I don't want to make it all that he's terrible and can't get good. That's not it. That roster is horrible. I have a strange feeling that if he was somewhere else, he'd already be. Uh, he, here you go. That's, that's he, not what the Knicks fans want to hear. He, he would already be an close to an all star. I, I, I have a feeling like if he, was, if he was in San Antonio, for instance, I feel like he'd be better. I wonder, in Memphis, he'd be better. You and I have talked a lot about the team. We, t- we had a, a show we did on this about the teams that do good development. I can't remember if it was earlier this season or last season. I, I wonder with him is we've seen him play better. The, the numbers in terms of efficiency have not mm-hmm. been that great, which I've looked at. But we've seen him play better a little bit with the ball in his hands. I do not think he's a primary ball handler. I do think from my vantage point, he could be a secondary ball handler, which is fine for him. However, the offense has actually looked better for the Knicks with the ball in his hands as opposed to Julius Randle's hands a lot which yeah. might be the point that you're making yes. that the stunting of his development mm-hmm. was the fact that he mm-hmm. didn't get as much reps mm-hmm. as you've talked about before with the ball in his hand. I'm still, I, I'm with you. You said you're on the fence. And I the think t- that the tools are there. I think the yeah. tools, I just, I don't trust the Knicks to, to be the place that's where fair. he turns into what he should be. That's, that's I think what I'm saying. And, and to your point, what you can say that you've seen recently with the Knicks is they've developed some nice role players. We have not seen them develop any stars. I think that's the point you're making, which is a, which is a fair critique and fair to him. And it's, we'll see. Exactly. I think he's done work that has looked somewhat good in the recent small sample size. Does that translate to a really effective jump next year? Which can happen. Sometimes we don't see players make that jump until between year three and year four. Maybe. We'll see. You know, this isn't a Knicks show, but the roster, I just, look, Tibbs isn't the issue. It's not about firing Tibbs. Like, I mean, he has his sort of set in his ways, things like, I get that, and that's all fine, but y'all can't be firing your coach every 500 days. Like, that's not, right? Like, that's a recipe for disaster. You're, it's the roster itself. It's just, I just don't like it. Like, why isn't Obi Toppin playing more? Like, there's just, and Julius Randle, as good as he was last year, 
he dominates and eats up so much of the offense and nothing happens sort of around him, right? In terms of reading, reacting, cutting. And it's just, you know, so for a guy like, like, like um, RJ, it's just, to your point, I wonder if this is all stunting his development. Yeah, I think I I personally think it's it's a fair question, more a more than fair question. But we're not going to belabor too much on the Knicks, who will not make the playoffs. Kind of, you know, well, that's a whole other thing. Disappointing season, Knicks fans. Disappointing. Uh, how important are these young players? Some of them that we talked about that will get some either a playoff experience or play in experience. How important is this upcoming games as we go down the stretch of the season, playing important games down the stretch, possibly playing in the play in or playoffs? How important is that for these young players? Huge. The reference points, right? So you like to look at, like, at someone, again, when they use the best in the world in terms of like their ability to process and analyze a game, right? Your LeBron James, your Chris Pauls. Think of their brains as supercomputers. They can access anything and, and they can diagnose any problem on the floor because they've seen everything. They have all the reference points in their brain that they can immediately figure it out and dissect. Well, when you're a rookie or a year two player, or year three player, you don't got all them reference points. You got your, your bank of, of, of knowledge for that is very small. So, so all these games right now, playing games, getting yourself ready to the play in and they're picking up an intensity. These are all reference points for them to build on as their career moves on. So these are vitally, vitally important. Vitally important games for these guys. Some, like I said, having some big games. All right, we're going to get off the young players really quickly. Going to talk about the Brooklyn Nets. They've had some impressive uh, performances from their stars in the last two games. Kevin Durant with 53 points on Sunday against the Knicks. Last night down in Orlando, Kyrie Irving dropping 60. A nice 60-piece on there. Shout out to my man, Michael Grady. He was able to do the call on that game for the Yes Network. Uh, Did a great job with that. Um, How impressed are you with the Nets? And I'm going to ask you something I talked about with Brian Lewis on uh, SNY in the post when I was doing a video with him the other day is, do you think this team is starting to get confidence in turning the corner or – does not, a lot of this not really matter because they're still not whole in terms of Kyrie playing and Simmons being back. What do you make of this Nets team? Are you excited about these back-to-back performances? Or are you still kind of like, yo, let's wait and see until this roster is whole? So what did I text you last night around 10, 30, 11 o'clock? Oh, you told me, uh, I think you said something like Kyrie's a monster. Or you was like, Ky- Kyrie's said he's amazing. filthy. 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 Said filthy was your words. Yes. Filthy. Like, when I watch this dude, I'm like, like what? Like, again, at his size, to be able to see again, he's not big, right? Six two at best, gets wherever he wants on the court, score over double, t- no matter, right? Skill. If you are supremely skilled, you can overcome the size limitations. Now, if you happen to be supremely skilled and tall, like you see, make Kevin Durant, well, then you want to be the best player in the world, right? That's that's the advantage of the size, anyway. What Kyrie and Katie have been doing lately, and remember, Kyrie scored 50 last week against the Charlotte Hornets. They've just been on this kind of like friendly sort of like competition with each other where it's like, hey, bro, what you got? And the two of them, for all their quirks and the things that people don't like about them, they generally view the game of basketball as an art form. It is their canvas, and they are artists. That is how they view the game. When you hear them talk about the spirituality of playing and the experience of watching someone do that, how it's spiritual, how it's playing canvas and we're artists. Look, you can say all that is hokey and whatever's about winning games, all well and good, but that is how they approach the game as an art. And they want to create masterpieces every time they're on the floor. And what I've seen from these guys over the past week has been outstanding. Not only the scoring, but on the efficiency that they're doing it on, right? Mm-hmm. And Kyrie said it last night, it's coming within the flow of the game. They're not just chucking up shots just to chuck up shots, right? We've seen people do that and gun and score 80-something points and do whatever, just chucking balls from everywhere. Anybody can do that in the NBA. But is it happening within the flow of a game? And I love what I'm seeing. The other thing about Brooklyn, you mentioned, does it matter? Yeah. I I think this team, they're now with one four in a row. Everyone's saying, oh, but it's got to be distracting, getting Kyrie in and out of the lineup. KD said it last night. Maybe for y'all, but we know what it is. We, we've been doing it now for a while. We know, okay, on the road, this is our identity. At home, this is our identity, right? So in essence, they're two different teams, which could present problems for other, for, you know, in the playoffs for somebody, right? We've got to scout and prepare for two different kinds of teams, right, come postseason. And I, I just think that they've, they've kind of found a little gel here. Uh, Durant's back. He's healthy. You know, with Kyrie, think about this too, Dexter. With Kyrie only playing um, home games or road games, excuse me, he's getting a ton of rest. 
right? So come playoff time, he's going to be super fresh. KD was off where it was out for almost two months of the injury. Yep. He's got less wear and tear for the season, right? All that's going to matter. And I don't care who you are, Miami, the Bucks, whomever. You're going to talk your talk and be like, we're confident we can beat anybody, da, 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 whatever. You don't want this team in round one. You just don't. Because anytime you have them two dudes, you know, by themselves, they're going to blow up and win, you know, win two or three games. Now it's like, right? And, and they're going to make things more difficult than they have to be. And that's the beauty of having great players on your team. I, I like what I'm seeing out of them. I doubt that Eric Adams lifts the, the private sector mandate during the playoffs. But if he does, I mean, it makes them even all, all, all the more dangerous. Yep, it does. I'll, I'll, I'll save that. I'll get into that for another day. Got to that on the podcast uh, for the people that want to try to make this a civil rights issue. I mean, right. It, it is not a civil rights issue. It is not a civil rights not, issue. Kyrie's not a martyr. This is not, it's, it's none of that. Okay? We, can, we, we, we can stop with the free Kyrie right. chance. Right. Like, none of that. None of that. We don't, we we don't can, have to do that. But we, we can, can acknowledge that he's played dope basketball. And we can acknowledge, yeah. too, that the optics of the, the private sector vaccine mandate look stupid, right? Yes, we can, two we can things can be that. true. Yeah. I, I, said this, I said this on the A-Hotel podcast this week. Two things can be true. We can acknowledge the optics of it look stupid, but we do not have to make Kyrie a martyr right. with the free Correct. Kyrie stuff. Uh, okay, look, we all know you. We know what you're going to be watching down the stretch. We know you're going to have your eye on your boy KD. We know you're going to have your eye on your Memphis Grizzlies. No doubt. No doubt. We, th- these are the things we know about Gerard. Hector. We also, a third thing, folks. We know, well, two other things. We know Gerard's <laughs> going to be enjoying some wine throughout the summer like myself. Mm-hmm. And we also know that Gerard is not here for the hot takes. We can add, say all these things exist. But what are you keeping your eye on down the stretch of this NBA season, right? we got a couple weeks to go. Playoff time, you and I, we know we love the playoff time, the spring, everything. What are you keeping an eye on for the, this final couple weeks? The Dallas Mavericks and Denver Nuggets. Uh, the Mavericks ah, two are Western playing. Two Western Conference teams. Okay. Look, the Mavericks, are, we said this last week, the Mavericks are playing outstanding ball. They're in Brooklyn tonight in the Barclays Center against the Nets. Um, Luka is playing out of his mind, and they're guarding their asses off. Look, if you can defend, and if you enter a playoff series and you can have the best player on the floor, you have a chance to win any series you're in. Look. The Mavericks could get to the conference finals. And by the way, let's also remember, Luka has yet to advance past the first round of the playoffs. Now, let's not lose our minds. This is only, what, year three or year four for him. So let's not go crazy. But in the last two years, he's bounced and he's gotten knocked out in the first round. Is this the year he advances past round one? We just heard that Jamal Murray has been assigned to the G League um, for the Denver Nuggets. We already know Nikola Jokic is my MVP uh, candidate. Which, by the way, the fact that Jokic and Embiid aren't going to be first-team All-NBA, travesty. Travesty. Um, but if they get Murray and quarterback, uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, you, that, that would be the 3-6 matchup. So, if, if seedings hold correctly today, Golden State, Denver, round one. Draymond said they win in a championship, no matter what seed we're in. You sure about that, Draymond? You sure you're going to beat Denver in round one? I'm not saying you won't. I'm uh. just saying... I hope that happens because I want to see who you're going to pick. Are you going to roll with your, your boy MPJ coming back? If, if he looks right with the back, are you going to roll thing. with he got, him? He, he, got, he got to look right. And I'm going right. to watch the, the Warriors as well. Um, look, the Draymond gets back and everything looks right as rain, right? Steph Curry's getting open shots again. And that's the thing about Draymond. Shout out to Charles Barkley, always calling Draymond triple single guy and making jokes. Yeah, Draymond, <laughs> again, if you're a casual fan and all you watch is who scores the most points, who grabs the most rebounds or whatever, you don't realize Draymond's value on offense and on defense. When he is there on offense, the, the offense flows much better, right? Steph Curry's off ball, and he becomes more of a primary playmaker, which he is excellent at. Gets Steph Curry a bunch of wide open looks. We know what he does on defense. I want to see, does Steph's shooting numbers come up? Because this is his worst shooting year of his career, right? So for them to be what they want to be, which are title, uh, title champ or title favorites, He's got to shoot close to his career averages. And so is Clay Thompson, who's also having his worst shooting year. So that's yeah. something I'm watching. And then, too, going small is the Warriors' like secret weapon that they've done for years of them win championships, right? You sure that's going to work against the Phoenix Suns and DeAndre Ayton? Well, what, well, what's interesting with that on that point, too, is uh, Wiseman, who's just joined the G mm-hmm. League. How does he come back and fit in? It gives him another body for a series like that. Yeah, I, I just think it's going to be tough for Wiseman to contribute. Big time minutes in the end of playoffs. I just he's got the tools, but he's not. That's, this kid's played hardly any basketball. Well, that, well, that's the thing I was going to ask you too. Is that down the stretch and something I know you will keep your eye on as somebody who looks at it, the numbers and also what you see on the court is 
Are they able to give him enough time to get into situations to get some experience? And is it too late? You and I talked about this, what was this, two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. We talked about uh, teams, and it's like, what can you do now at this point in the season? You kind of are what you are. You got 15 games left. How much? I mean, they're good reference points, but can they help for this year? And to your point, when you brought up the Nuggets, it is much easier to plug in a Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr., who've actually done this, played in some playoff games, they've done mm-hmm. some of these things, then you're playing Wiseman who hasn't played that much ball. He played, what, three college games? And a little bit of the NBA got hurt last year. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Could he help with his skill set? Sure. Does he? Has he still adjusted to playing the NBA game? I don't know, man. Yeah, and that's something you can't just give somebody the chance to do in March. He needs, he needs reps. He needs yeah. reps. Yeah, yeah. He's going he's gonna to need the reps. So we got a lot of things to keep our eye on down the stretch of the season. We will see how that goes. Uh, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to give you our picks. We haven't done this uh, in a little bit about the picks. So there's some really good games tonight. Uh, we'll see if that uh, – we know Gerard's going to actually have his eye on this Nets and Mavs game, which mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to be mm-hmm. watching tonight. That's going to be a good one. We'll talk about that when we come back on the NBA Exchange. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the NBA Exchange. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code NBAEX. Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep. That's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play. Download the Prize Picks app today. All right. Welcome back to the NBA Exchange. Remember, definitely use that code Prize Picks on that Prize Picks uh, app. Check that out. Code is NBAEX. Get your first deposit up to $100. Uh, definitely check that out. Some of you guys have already, and I know it's been helping you guys, uh, and, you know, making little picks and what you mm-hmm. got to do. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about some picks. Uh, we'll do some over-unders uh, later in the week, but we're going to talk about some picks. Gerard, your first game of the night. Uh, we talked about this Mavs-Brooklyn Nets matchup tonight. Should be a good one. Uh, who are you going with here? This I looked at this one, and I was like, you're like, stay away. Like, like, Yo, this might be a stay away for me. But I said, okay, Gerard is going to be froggy. Yeah. Uh, who are you going with on this? So Mavericks are on a roll right now. They've won seven of their last ten, won their last two. Big win on Sunday night um, in Boston against the Celtics in that excellent defense. And they've been sitting around the last two days just waiting in New York to play the Nets, who are on the second out of a back-to-back, who will be at home without Kyrie Irving. But Mavericks are only two-and-a-half-point favorites. So that's telling me that people are starting to believe in those Nets again. Nets are mm-hmm. plus 165 on the money line tonight. I'm going Nets to take the win straight up. They're, I think the mojo's good right now, especially if Seth Curry's back in the lineup tonight. Um, I just like their spacing on the floor and their shooting. And if you're going to do any kind of like player prop, I like uh, Nets to win and Durant 30-plus. I just have a feeling like he's going to, oh, Kyrie scored 60 last night. I'm not saying he's going to throw 60, 60, but I think he's going to be like, oh, okay, and Luka's in town. I got I, I to gotta step up and do my thing. I got to look at the odds on that player prop. I don't bet too many player props, but I do like that one, especially the way and the way Durant looked against the Knicks mm-hmm. on Sunday, <laughs> dropping the fifth, dropping the fifty-three piece. But a lot of people have looked good against the Knicks recently, uh, so it is what it is. All right, my first game is the Milwaukee Bucks. They're going to be in Sacktown to take on the Kings. Look, if you know me, I love it when you can get top five teams against. Bottom, bottom five, five teams, teams. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, Gerard. Like, give me, give me those odds. I like that. I feel like most times we're gonna bet on it if the line's not too crazy. I think it's good. Now, here's the interesting thing. I was a little surprised at the line only being minus eight and a half for the Bucks here. I think that's great value. I think they can win by 11, 12 plus points. Maybe the line goes up a little bit later tonight, depending on how much money goes on to the Bucks. But come on, who believes in the Kings? I don't. I'm t- be- always bet against the Kings. Why not? And here's a stat for you guys. The Buc- the Bucks, excuse me, have won 12 consecutive games against the Kings, right? Seven of those on their own home court, 12 consecutive games against the Kings. I have no reason to believe that it will not be 13. I have no reason to believe it won't be in blowout fashion. A couple of things I like with the Bucks. Chris Middleton has been starting to shoot better. 
Giannis Antetokounmpo has been playing good last four games, averaging over 30 points. They just got back Brooke Lopez the other night. Mm -hmm. That has helped the defense. He played pretty solidly against in the minutes he had against the Utah Jazz. I like what the Bucs are doing. I think they're moving well and cooking. I think they're more engaged as they're focused towards the playoffs, and they are not going to waste their time with the Kings. Love this line at minus eight and a half. Bang it. Milwaukee Bucks against the Sacramento Kings. Like I said, top five team versus bottom five team. You know what you got to do. Take the Bucks. I like that. I like that, man. Yeah. So for our second game, man, we are going to go. Oh, do it, please. <laughs> please do it, Gerard. Please, Lakers see what you're doing here. <laughs> are in Minnesota to play the Timberwolves. I believe the Timberwolves are nine and a half point favorites last time yes. I checked. Yes. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns just came off a 60 burger against the San Antonio Spurs. Last 10 games against the spread. Lakers, two and eight. Timberwolves, seven and two. Dexter, did you know the Minnesota, the Minnesota Timberwolves are 11 games above 500? They are on the seventh spot in the Western Conference. I did not know this until I looked at, I was looking at the standings mm. literally last mm. night, actually, literally mm. last night. I was like, oh, okay. And uh, I, I see where you might be going here <laughs> and, and, and where this may be inspiring your confidence <laughs> betting-wise, but do tell. And do you know where the Lakers are in the standings? <laughs> uh, they are number nine in the West currently right now. Sliver lead over the Pelicans. They are 11 games below 500. Mm. Right? 11, 11 games well. above 500. <laughs> Below 500. <laughs> two and seven or two and eight in their last 10 versus the spread. Seven, two in their last game, the last 10 games versus the spread. I think I like the Timberwolves here. Look, Carl Towns is going to feast because ain't no Anthony Davis playing. Or, so there's that. Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, Pat Bev and these guys. Ooh, Pat Bev and Russ. <laughs> in Minnesota, you know. Because remember, what, what, did, what did Russ tell us years ago? Pat Bev tricking y'all, man. You don't play no defense. Just run around here. Don't don't be doing nothing. And what did Pat Bev say about Russ on social media the other day? I thought I was the one who was tricking y'all. <laughs> it's like, look, you're the real trickster, implying Russell Westbrook not playing good basketball and getting paid all that money. So you got to love all the back and forth and the sauce. Listen, I just – Minnesota, and I, we don't give them any kind of credit often on this show because they've been a terrible run franchise for many years. But they're playing well right now. And, listen, they're – that seven seed is real, and they keep winning. They could maybe put some heat on Denver and try to creep in and get that six. I doubt it will happen because Denver's just doing their thing, but they are solidly in the seventh spot, and I think they're going to make the playoffs. I just like the way Minnesota's looking right now. I I, I think they're going to come in and see the Lakers come in like a wounded dog, and they're going to be like, no, we got to make a statement against LeBron and these guys. Let them know your time is over. I think what's happening now, Dexter, is mm-hmm. – we're starting to see a change of the guard in the West, in 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 not just the Western Conference, but the yeah, league yeah. as a whole, mm-hmm. right? Like, yes, LeBron still does his thing, and KD and Steph and da, 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 and all that, but yo, know, man, it's Jokic, it's Embiid, it's Giannis, yo, it's the twenty-somethings league now, right? This is it's their time. This is their time now, and I feel like these young guys want to be like, no, no, no. We hear the John Morants, etc. It's it's our time. So, like the Minnesota Timberwolves tonight. Uh, bang that over because the Lakers can't guard nobody. So, <laughs> ah, going with, going with the over here because they mm-hmm. can't guard anybody. I, I I like that. And you know what? I love this bet because the Lakers just haven't been. They haven't been playing hard. They look like they've quit. They look like they're just interested. I'm not betting on that. I'm with you on this one. I'm taking the Timberwolves all the way on this. Now, my our last game we'll talk about got the Portland Trailblazers. Gerard told you earlier they are tanking. There's no doubt they've been doing that against the New York Knicks. Now this. Listen, I haven't trusted the Knicks in a lot of bets <laughs> recently. Gerard, I will admit this on this show. I got excited last week when the Knicks played the Grizzlies. I saw they were up. I liked the energy. I thought they were playing good. Mm-hmm. In, a live, in a live bet, yeah, why well, you got to remind me, man. <laughs> in, a, in a live bet, I said, oh, let me throw a little something this way. Now, here's the one thing. I, I think I, I, I won because the Grizzlies didn't cover, so I took the yeah. Knicks early no. plus the four. When I saw them coming back, I tried to get a little greedy and also bet on that money line. And that didn't exactly work out for me. Uh, the Grizzlies did what they did. And uh, our boy Triple J was looking like a beast defensively. <laughs> anyway, my point being, there hasn't been a lot of games you can trust the Knicks. This might be one. This might, might be. be one. The Knicks actually haven't played bad. They've won three out of their last five games. They've been in a lot of these games. Even against the Nets, that was mm-hmm. a fantastic game, game play. Mm-hmm. They were in the game. They've shown a lot of pride. They have not quit on this season. They have not looked like the Los Angeles Lakers. Some of the young guys have been playing hard. And I like some things I've been seeing out of that. 
and playing the game and playing with more pace. That's another thing I've actually liked, if that matters to you. Trailblazers are tanking. Knicks are at home. Here's my only trepidation with this. That I'm line. going with Knicks here. The line. I don't trust the Knicks with 12 and a half. Look for an alternate spread. I might want to drop this about four points. Give me a minus eight and a half or something. That's something I think that's more manageable. I know some people say, well, Dex, you're not going to get as good odds. Sometimes you got to go for singles, man, not for the home runs. You can get a look, throw a little bit down in here, drop the odds a little bit, but you still get yourself a nice little win, right? Do that. Look at minus eight and a half, maybe minus nine and a half. You're a little bit froggy there. I think that's I think that's fine here. I also would look at in terms of player props. Mitchell Robinson has played really well. Anything you get for him with a double-double or over eight and a half, nine and a half points, go look at that, bang that. I like this a lot. I think this is one of the rare times, maybe down the stretch of the season, I'll tell you to bet the Knicks. Bet them, but don't trust that minus 12 math. That's a lot to ask for the Knicks at home. I'm not really willing to go there. Uh, but, you know, eight I and like a half. I like that. I like that. I like that. You got to be safe, man. Somebody yeah. want to call a concern, hey, you got to be safe, man. And, and and the thing about the Trailblazers, too, Anthony Simons might mess around and score 35. Like, you just got to, you know, I, I make it a policy. Teams that are tanking, I try to stay away from them because yeah. – I just never know what I'm going to get. You never, you never, you never know. <laughs> or they might just end up, you know, messing around and play hard that night. You right. just, you, right. you never know. All right, bro. Good, good episode. Uh, we will try to get ourselves out of here so we can go and enjoy some of this good weather outside. Maybe crack open a a, a nice lighter <laughs> wine. Although I'm, I'm still with you on on drinking the Reds. Uh, please continue to support, subscribe to NBA Exchange, all the places you do. Check out my man Gerard Hector. He uh, had a good episode with Jenna Lemoncelli last night. I actually have to go listen to that when I get off of here. The Seven Footers podcast. Also catch him on Friday. Bring it in on True Hoop. I know you guys have a lot of good stuff to talk about mm-hmm. um, this week and breaking some things down. So check that out. And True Hoop has some really good stuff coming out very soon mm-hmm. that I've been helping to work out mm-hmm. with uh, with a special interview that they landed. So we'll, you guys will see a little bit more about that. So please check out all that stuff. Uh, for Gerard Hector. I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time on the NBA Exchange, where I'm sure we'll have a lot of good things to talk about next week, <laughs> where we won't have any hot takes. We'll see y'all then. Till then, peace.